We've been talking on the subject of the damnation of hell from Matthew 23, verse 33. And why is there such a thing as hell? We answered a lot of that last time. We're going to continue this time uh, because God is holy. He cannot and will not condone, approve, ignore, overlook, or bypass sin. In his righteousness, God must do that which is in accordance with his holy nature. And he will maintain the requirements of his perfect law, especially in his moral creatures. In his faithfulness and truth, God must carry out the threatenings that he has pronounced against sin which is the transgression of his law. Exodus 34, 7, at the latter part of the verse says, when God reveals his name, he says that he will by no means clear the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children and upon the children's children unto the third and to the fourth generation. So if he should clear the guilty he will have failed to do what he said he would do. And that would make him a liar. And so in his absolute justice, God must exact the proper due penalty for any failure by his responsible creatures to meet his inflexible and unchanging standards. Uh, Romans 1.18 It says there, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and and unrighteousness of men, men being rational, moral, responsible creatures, who hold the truth in unrighteousness. Then Hebrews also, in chapter 2, verse 2 says, If the word spoken by angels was steadfast, and every transgression and disobedience received a just recompense of reward. Every transgression and disobedience received a just recompense of reward. And this recompense is meted out in the form of punishment. And this judgment and punishment is is received after death in a place called hell and again in our day sin is denied and so by virtue of necessary consequence hell is also to a large extent denied but denial does not make it go away hell is a state and a place of punishment beyond death which is final 
and from which there is no deliverance. There are four words in our Bible which are translated by the English word hell. And none of them are used in a good sense. The Bible teaches and assumes throughout the conscious survival of the soul after death. Ecclesiastes 3.21 Who knows the spirit of man that goeth upward or to God and the spirit of the beast that goeth downward to the earth. Man is made the image of God. A beast is not. Man's soul is immortal. A beast is not. Man continues to survive after death as to his soul. Also in Isaiah chapter 14, we read of God judging and putting to death the king of Babylon. And he says in verse 9, Hell from beneath is moved for thee to meet thee at thy coming. It stirreth up the dead for thee. Even all the chief ones of the earth, it hath raised up from their thrones all the kings of the nations. All they shall speak and say unto thee, Art thou also become weak as we? Art thou become like unto us? Thy pomp is brought down to the grave in the noise of thy vials. The worm is spread under thee and the worms cover thee. In other words, when he died, those in hell recognized him and spoke to him. And then in Isaiah 57... talks about the death of the righteous. Verse 1, The righteous perisheth, and no man layeth it to heart, and merciful men are taken away, none considering that the righteous is taken away from the evil to come. In other words, it's God's way of sparing them from, for bad times. He shall enter into peace. They shall rest in their beds, their bodies rest in the grave, but each one walking in his uprightness or before the Lord, still alive unto God, which, of course, Jesus proved when he said, God is the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He's not the God of the dead, but of the living. The Bible also assumes that there is retribution John chapter 5. Every man is going to receive for the things done in his body, whether they be good or bad. John chapter 5, verse 28, Jesus says, Marvel not at this, for the hour is coming in the which all that are in the grave shall hear his voice and shall come forth. They that have done good unto the resurrection of life and they that have done evil unto the resurrection 
of damnation. And the other thing that the Bible assumes and teaches everywhere is the judgment to come. Psalm chapter 9. There is a coming judgment for all men. Verse 7, But the Lord shall endure forever. He hath prepared his throne for judgment. He doesn't prepare it needlessly or for something that it won't be used for. And he shall judge the world in righteousness. He shall minister judgment to the people in uprightness. Which is the same thing Paul taught in Acts chapter 17. Verse 30 and 31. The times of this ignorance God winked at, but now commandeth all men everywhere to repent. Why? Because he has appointed a day in the which he will judge the world in righteousness by that man whom he has ordained, wherever he hath given assurance unto all men. He's proven himself true. He's given us reason to believe. Why? In that he has raised him from the dead. And he's committed all judgment to his son. Every man has within him the innate awareness that the existence of man does not end at death and that there must be a personal accounting to God and a writing of all injustices. Uh, Ecclesiastes 12. Verse 13 and 14. Let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. This is what it all comes down to. This is the sum of everything. Fear God and keep his commandments. For this is the whole duty of man. For Why? For God shall bring every work into judgment with every secret thing, whether it be good or whether it be evil. And Paul taught this in Romans 14. Verse 10. Why dost thou judge thy brother? Why dost thou set it not thy brother? For we shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. For as it is written, as I live, saith the Lord, every knee shall bow to me, and every tongue shall confess to God. So then, every one of us shall give account of himself to God. It's amazing to me, you watch all these histories on television, especially of ancient peoples or primitive peoples. What's it all about? their temples and their sacrifices and their preparations for the afterlife. That was their whole culture and their whole activity. And yet everyone asks, like, that must have been some strange primitive thing that, you know, people did when we were back in the ignorance of, of ancient times. No, that's man. And unfortunately, we don't have that same regard for these things as we should. But, just just the same, the great fear of man is death. And the sure judgment of God which follows death. Hebrews 2. Hebrews 2, verse 
They can't escape reality or fact. They can't change what they are and things as they are. And so, regardless of how much they might try to put it out of their mind or deny it, it still comes back to them. Uh, verse 14. For as much then as the children are partakers of flesh and blood, he also, Jesus also himself likewise, took part of the same, that through death he might destroy him that had the power of death, that is the devil, and deliver them who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. Why were they afraid of death? Because it would bring them before God for judgment. That's what Hebrews 9.27 says. As it is appointed unto men once to die, but after this, the judgment. You know, in, in Romans chapter 1, the last part of the chapter is full of the vile wicked, evil, corrupt sins of man that we see being committed all around us. And then the last verse says this. They are doing these things who knowing the judgment of God that they which commit such things are worthy, deserving of death, not only do the same but have pleasure in them that do them. Let's look at an example of that. A Roman, Roman governor of, of Israel, Acts 24, a great, proud, powerful man. He probably would have treated these subjects with scorn and derision. But notice, he would talk to the Apostle Paul. Verse 24, it says, after certain days when Felix came with his wife Drusilla, which was a Jewess, he sent for Paul and heard him concerning the faith of Christ. And as he reasoned of righteousness, temperance, and judgment to come, Felix trembled. There was a recognition in his heart that what Paul was saying was true and it would come on him someday. He trembled but he didn't do anything about it. He answered, Go thy way for this time. When I have a convenient season, I will call for thee. And of course, most people who put off salvation end up dying and perishing before that convenient time comes. Now let's look at the word hell in the Old Testament. Uh, in the Old Testament, hell is translated from the Hebrew word sheol. And it's found there 65 times. The root meaning of Sheol is hollow hand or place. It's used like in Isaiah, a form of it, Isaiah chapter 40. Verse 12 says, Who has measured the waters in the hollow of his hand? And he and meted out heaven with the span. Of course, it's God who measures the waters in the hollow of his hand. Now, the word Sheol could also mean a place of craving or asking or receiving. And of course, what it craves is more dead. It's always receiving more dead. Uh, Proverbs chapter 27, verse 20. It says that hell and destruction are never full. 
So the eyes of man are never satisfied. Hell is never satisfied, never full. Generation after generation of men go into it, and yet it's never filled up and still wants more. Now, the word Sheol is also sometimes translated grave. Uh, I'll give you some examples of that. First Samuel, chapter 2, verse 6. The Lord killeth and maketh alive. He bringeth down to the grave and bringeth up by resurrection. In Job chapter 14, our chapter this morning, and verse uh, 13, he says, Oh, that thou wouldst hide me in the grave, thou wouldst, that thou wouldst keep me secret, in secret, until thy wrath be passed, that thou wouldst appoint me a set time and remember me. His body would remain in the grave until God raised it up at the last day. Uh, Jonah, this helps us to understand Jonah chapter 2. Jonah chapter 2 and verse 1 and 2 Jonah's been swallowed by the fish and then Jonah prayed unto the Lord his God out of the fish's belly and he, he said I cried by reason of my affliction unto the Lord and he heard me out of the belly of hell cried I and thou heardest my voice in other words that fish's belly was like a grave to Jonah. And that's why Jesus said, as Jonah was three days and three nights in the fish's belly, so he would be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. His body would be buried in the grave, which Jonah's experience was a picture of. Uh, the words also translated pit in Numbers chapter 16. You remember how Korah, Dathan, and Abiram rebelled against Moses and Aaron? And what happened to them? Verse 30. Moses says, But if the Lord make a new thing and the earth open her mouth and swallow them up with all that appertain unto them, and they go down quick or living into the pit, then ye shall understand that these men have provoked the Lord. Verse 33, They and all that appertain to them went down alive into the pit, and the earth closed upon them, and they perished from among the congregation. So they were swallowed up by the earth and died. And of course, it's also translated in the other places it's found, hell. Now, its general meaning, Sheol, is the state of the dead. 
the shadowy, invisible, unseen world. Or in general, it's the afterlife. It's where people go when they leave this world, when they die. Now, it was often thought of as the underworld or as a vast, hollow, subterranean resting place, which would be the common receptacle of all the dead without making a clear distinction between the condition there of the righteous and of the wicked. Just a general receptacle, uh, holding place. Ezekiel 26, verse 20. God says, of Tyrus, when I shall bring thee down with them that descend into the pit with the people of old time and shall set thee in the low parts of the earth in places desolate of old with them that go down to the pit that thou be not inhabited and I shall set glory in the land of the living. So he would judge them and send them to the pit. But again, this was not entirely accurate and the idea that the souls of all men went into the center of the earth and that the, the righteous were kept there until Christ arose again and went down there and brought them to heaven, that's a false idea. Uh, what did David say in Psalm 23 and verse 6? He said, Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. In other words, after my life is over, I'm not going to dwell in the center of the earth. I'm going to dwell in heaven. Now, another thing Sheol does not mean is it's not meant to picture the grave as the place where the dead go and where all conscious existence ceases, as some erroneously teach. That seems to be a common belief today. When you're dead... That's the end. It's all over. You're in a hole in the ground. Your body rots and there's nothing else. Now, because death is an enemy and an intruder, and because it's the penalty for sin, and because it is unnatural and undesirable for the soul and body to be parted, which is what death does. Remember what Paul said? Uh, I don't desire to be unclothed or to be separated from my body, but rather to be clothed upon with my new resurrection glorified body so that mortality might be swallowed up of life. It's not desirable for the soul and body to be separated. That was not the original intention. But because of those factors, Sheol carried the grim connotations of darkness, doom, and terror. And it was even felt that way by some of God's people as they express it. Now, the primary meaning of Sheol is the realm of departed spirits or the place where the soul goes at death and is conscious. And so it is met 
by Sheol that while the body at death goes into the grave, and again, into the grave, burial in the Bible is the norm, not create cremation like is so common today. So the soul of the dead continues in conscious existence in Sheol or the place of departed spirits. The place of spirits who are still alive and conscious and yet no longer united to their bodies. Now, though the Old Testament picture of Sheol is not crystal clear, uh, it is certain that the Hebrews had definite concepts of the state of those who pass from this life and that those concepts were accurate to the degree of the revelation that God was pleased to grant them on this subject. Remember, there's progressive revelation in the Bible. They didn't have all the light on these things. Many of them were dark and mysterious. And of course, we can understand them a lot better from our perspective after Christ came and did his work and having the New Testament than they could, having only uh, the Old Testament. But they recognize that God is holy and he must punish sin. Isaiah chapter 13. Verse 11. And I will punish the world for their evil and the wicked for their iniquity, and I will cause the arrogancy of the proud to cease and I will lay low the haughtiness of the terrible. They also knew that the penalty for sin would be exacted beyond this life. Isaiah 24. Verse 21 and 22. And it shall come to pass in that day that the Lord shall punish the host of the high ones that are on high, that seems to be a reference to demons. And the kings of the earth upon the earth. And they shall be gathered together as prisoners are gathered in the pit. And shall be shut up in the prison. And after many days shall they be visited. Shut up in Sheol is in a prison till the time of judgment. They also knew that Sheol was a place where there was a separation of the righteous and the wicked. They did not have the same experience in uh, Sheol. Notice in uh, Proverbs 14 and verse 32. It says there, the wicked is driven away in his wickedness In other words, to them, death is a penal infliction, but the righteous hath hope in his death. His death has much different and better outcome. Uh, Psalm chapter 1, verse 6, it distinguishes them also. For the Lord knoweth, he, he approveth, he regardeth, he loveth the way of the righteous, but the way of the, of the ungodly shall perish. They also knew that Sheol was a place of punishment for the wicked 
in extreme suffering as opposed to the bliss and reward of heaven. Job chapter 11, notice they knew the, the distinction between heaven and hell. talks about God's greatness and glory beyond our ability to understand. He says in verse 8, It is as high as heaven, what canst thou do? Uh, deeper than hell, what canst thou know? Uh, Ezekiel 32, 21 and 27 Notice, the strong among the mighty shall speak to him out of the midst of hell. Speaking of Egypt, with them that help him, they are gone down, they lie uncircumcised, slain by the sword. Of course, the uncircumcised were the pagans who knew not God. Uh, Verse 27, they shall not lie with the mighty that are fallen of the uncircumcised, which are gone down to hell with their weapons of war, and they have laid their swords under their heads, but their iniquity shall be upon their bones, though they were the terror of the mighty in the land of the living. They would die with their sin and guilt upon them, and they would suffer the punishment of that, of that sin. And so, when you bring all these things together, Sheol was looked on and believed to have had Two compartments. One was called Abraham's bosom, paradise, or heaven for those who died in faith in the coming Messiah. And then the second compartment was the flames of hellfire for those who died in unbelief and so were lost. But those two were not found together. Different states and different locations. All disembodied spirits went into Sheol, some to heaven, uh, some to hell. Uh, Now, we can look at this a little further. Sheol is described variously in many different ways. Uh, It's a place that's known and ruled over by Jehovah, Job 26. Verse 6. Hell is naked before him, before God, and destruction has no covering. So even though it's called a covered or hidden place, It's not hidden from God. All things are naked and open on the eyes of him with whom we have to do. And he has his way there. Proverbs 15 and verse 11. Hell and destruction are before the Lord. He knows them perfectly. How much more than the hearts of the children of men? Of course, God only knows the hearts of men. Uh, And then in Amos chapter 9, it talks about how 
he does as he will with those who are there. Amos chapter 9. And verse 2. He says, Though they dig into hell, then shall my hand take them. Though they climb up to heaven, then shall I bring them down. And he's, of course, talking about the wicked cannot hide from God. He can see them, he can find them, and he can deal with them. But God also, or Sheol also has God's presence. Psalm 139. Psalm 139. Remember what David said about God's omnipresence? Of course, in hell, they have his wrathful presence, not his favorable presence, but God is there punishing them. Psalm 139, verse 8, If I ascend up into heaven, thou art there. If I make my bed in hell, behold, uh, thou art there. There's no escaping God. Uh, they, it's also described as the penalty for wickedness. Psalm 55. See, all disembodied spirits at death enter Sheol, but not all go to the same place or have the same experience. That is very much distinguished. Psalm 55, verse 15. Let death seize upon them and let them go down quick into hell for wickedness is in their dwellings and among them. As for me, I will call upon God and the Lord shall save me. He will not suffer me to go to that place of punishment. Uh, Job chapter 24 Verse 19. Drought and heat consume the snow waters, so doth the grave those which have sinned. So it's a place of dryness. We also know that hell is beneath. Proverbs 15 and verse 24. See, most people have a very unclear and inadequate understanding of what happens after death. So we're trying to make that much clearer and give ourselves a much fuller and more accurate understanding. And, and at this point, we're talking about from the Old Testament because Sheol was a Hebrew word. Uh, it says here, um, Proverbs 15:24. The way of life is above to the wise. In other words, the way of life, the wise follow the way of life that leads to heaven, that he may depart from hell beneath. Hell is beneath our feet. It's a, it's a pit. It's a, it's a hole that the wicked fall into. And it's also deep. Job chapter 11, I think we saw that earlier. Verse 8, It is high as heaven, what canst thou do deeper than hell? What canst thou know? And so again, it's talking about more than just the grave there, because the grave is six feet, but hell is deeper than that, even in the depths of the earth. 
And then it's also said to be dark. Job chapter 10. Verse 21. Before I go whence I shall not return. He's talking about his death. Even to the land of darkness and the shadow of death. A land of darkness as darkness itself and of the shadow of death without any order and where the light is as darkness. And again, this is why it carried such a fearful aspect because of the way it's described. It's said to be in the center of the earth. Ezekiel chapter 31. And again, we're talking about hell in the sense of the place where the wicked go and are punished. Ezekiel 31 Verse 15, Thus saith the Lord God, In the day when he went down to the grave, I caused a mourning. I covered the deep for him, and I restrained the floods thereof. And the great waters were stayed, and I caused Lebanon to mourn for him. And all the trees of the field fainted for him. I made the nations to shake at the sound of his fall when I cast him down to hell with them that descend into the pit. God cast them down to hell, and they descend into the pit. And all the trees of Eden, the choice and best of Lebanon, all that drink water shall be comforted in the nether or the lower parts of the earth. They also went down into hell with him that unto them that be slain with the sword, and they that were his arm that dwelt under his shadow in the midst of the heathen. Notice how often the wicked and those who help him are said to go to hell together. As the Bible said, though though hand join in hand, they shall not be unpunished. Uh, one more, it's also said to have great depths. Proverbs chapter 9. And here it's talking about the immoral woman and what happens to those who go into her. It says in verse 18, he knows not that the dead are there. In other words, the, those who are dead in their sins go after these immoral women. And that her guests, those who go into her, are in, ultimately, the depths of hell. God, save us from those depths and bring us to the heights of glory. We'll stop there and pick it up again next time. <clears throat>